Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by Sam Norman. Sam, how are you doing today? Chris, how's it going? It's going all right, man. Um, I'm going to jump into a mini rant, and then we'll get into our topic. Uh, so, yesterday, I found out, uh, as many people did, that Kelly Marie Tran, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, uh, the actress who played Rose in The Last Jedi, was bullied off of social media uh she was repeatedly attacked for her ethnicity so it was racist she was attacked for her looks um which is ridiculous she was attacked for her personality and a lot of it seems to be for this character now rose is a character who did not sit well with many people uh, the representation aspect is amazing, and I wouldn't take that away. The character herself is not a character that I was a fan of. She was part of the movie that I didn't like. Uh, her side quest with Finn bogged down the movie for me, and it took me right out, and I didn't care for the character too much. That's nothing on the actress, though. And the annoying and stupid thing that happened is people took their dislike for a fictional character and took it out on a real human being. Which, Star Wars fans, what the heck? <laughs> like, she is a person who was so excited to be part of this universe that so many people love. And then you attacked her for doing her job, playing a fictitious character. If you have an issue with a character, that's fine. You can hate the character. You can hate the movie. It could have ruined things for you. And as long as it's in that realm, that's fine. But as soon as you start attacking a person for doing their job, for playing a fictitious character, you're crossing a line. So, sorry, I just thought that was ridiculous. And if you've got issues, take it up with the writers. But do it in a polite way. If you're never taking away your freedom of speech, but think about what you say before you say it. A golden tenet of any faith, but especially if you're a Christian, is love your neighbor as yourself. It boils down to treat others as you'd like to be treated. And the way she has been treated and many actresses and actors and people online are not ways I think that we would like to be treated. So before you say anything, ask yourself, is this going to wreck someone's day? And maybe not not say it, but adjust your words and pick them carefully. All right, Sam, sorry. I just had to get that rant done. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, um, important message like, there. I, like, I, I love Star Wars. I love the movies, but... It's this thing online now where it's as soon as we see stuff, as soon as we see things we don't like, it's like, let's behave very badly. Um, And I think, and this leads into the proper topic and the reason we're talking about this today, not that rant, but uh, politics is a great example of this. So Ontario just had its provincial election last night and for better or for worse, Doug Ford and the progressive conservatives have won a majority uh, government for to lead the province of Ontario. A lot of people were upset because, um, well, they wanted Andrea... I can't pronounce her nas- last name at all, so I do apologize. Andrea Horworth? Wath? I'm going to call her Hogwarts, not as a disrespect, but that's a word I can say. Uh, so Andrea... She campaigned hard. NDP is a, uh, like, Hamilton is an NDP city. Um, Heck, I voted for her. But it's not the end of the world. One, because God is in control. Um, 
Two, we've survived other worst premieres. Uh, and I'm saying that for Doug Ford as well. If we were going to survive Andrea, we can survive Doug Ford. But we have so much hyperbole with our with our politics. Uh, with Doug Ford, people were like, don't vote for him. He is a Canadian Trump. It will kill us if we vote for Doug Ford. And then on the flip side, anytime anybody wants to disparage the NDP, especially in Ontario, they're like, oh, she or he, whoever's running, is going to be a Bob Ray. And Bob Ray was a provincial premier in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s, who almost bankrupt the province. And because of him, we got Mike Harris, who did a lot of bad things. I know other people will say good, and kudos. He didn't do all bad things. I didn't like the guy. Um, or I didn't like his politics. I don't know him as a human being. But... All that said, we live in an area where there's so much hyperbole and I've been reading the reactions on Twitter and all that. And then I was like, I got to chat to somebody who lived through this <laughs> yeah. uh, on a much wider scale, because for us, we're isolated to our, we're isolated to a province. It's not like it's looked at on the worldwide scale of like when we voted, we vote our prime minister. So Sam... You live in England. I do indeed. Yeah, and to be honest, it's uh, not void of hyperbole over here either. To be honest. So you uh, you lived through Brexit, sir. Yeah. Uh, you guys are still you guys are still alive. Uh, the the island hasn't fallen into the ocean. No, not quite. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it hasn't gone the way of Atlantis. Um, I remember when Jill and I came over a couple of years ago. It was like three days after, yeah. or or five days after, something like that. Um, yeah, wasn't that That we yeah that we arrived in Bath, and I remember kicking myself because I got a currency done like two days before the vote, and if I had waited just those two days, I would have gotten for so much cheaper. Because when the vote did the 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 pound went down, like it. Yeah went down to almost Canadian dollars and then it rounded back up pretty quick. Um, so we on this side only heard the, the funny John Oliver stuff, but also where it just focused on only on the negative where it's like, this is, this is purely racist. This is purely stupid. Can you, and when we got there, you, your dad and your household really explained like why it was in your view, a good thing. Also, how it wasn't the negative thing that it was being portrayed as, and then other people in your home who had an who had the opposing viewpoint who weren't for it, they explained greatly and respectfully like why they disagreed with your uh, your view and why they thought it was a bad thing. So, you guys were a great example of explaining stuff outside of hyperbole. So, can you yeah. walk us through? Uh, walk us through your your feelings on Brexit. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, with, with Brexit, there's just so many different uh, points of view uh, people came at. The, the problem uh, that you hear probably on the international scale uh, more largely, the, the, the picture of racism or whatever uh, it is, is they're usually a minority. Uh, it certainly is probably a view in some areas of society uh, but it isn't the the wide sort of spread view and with brexit uh it was 
often uh, the sort of smear tactics from both sides uh, to use uh, racism uh, against people who say wanted to vote for Brexit. Um, and often people from the Brexit side who wanted Brexit would call those who want to stay in, um, say, unpatriotic or whatever. Uh, but really it came down to a, a couple of different factors on each side, I'd say. For, for me personally, I did vote uh, Leave um, and I'd still vote Leave today. Uh, but I'll sort of explain uh, what I understood as the Remain side as well. So the Remain side really uh, understandably wanted that big sort of international uh, connection, that idea that Europe was an uh, organisation which we should get involved with, with more and more sort of uh, ideas being uh, made as a collective group of countries rather than uh, as individual countries who sort of just did uh, their own sort of thing and then sort of traded with each other once in a while. Um, and you sort of saw the benefits of that through um, some people would argue free movement of people, that idea that actually we're not just individual countries with identities anymore, but you can sort of go uh, to whatever country you wanted to do, if you wanted to go on holiday. So from a consumer point of view, um, the ease to go to Europe, which is our closest country uh, and where many, many tourists from the UK go to each year, it was very attractive uh, to vote Remain. Uh, they'd also, the influx which we'd have from the European Union meant actually we knew a lot of people who were from Europe who lived in the UK. Uh, and that equally, they're like, well, we don't want these people to leave because they're our friends. They're people who live next door, who are in our churches, who are in our families, uh, near our families we invite around for dinner or whatever, um, and are part of our community. Um, and to, to people who voted for Remain, that the, the vote to leave was almost a rejection uh, of their neighbours, uh, and they felt convicted that actually they should really vote for that connection uh, and vote to um, keep that connection with their neighbours, which is understandable. Uh, I have friends who voted for it, um, and I, I sort of understand their point of view of that. The, the additional point of view, which you sort of see some effect, um, the vote's been a, a couple of years now, a couple of years ago, but the other side of it was the economic side, which was very much pushed by... Uh, David Cameron at the at the time uh, that actually the for the economic prosperity of the UK uh, it would be better for us to stay in the European Union. I mean, free trade is probably one of the biggest uh, uh, factors in growing uh, economies. Uh, the first, one one example would be China. Uh, the the free trade that they've they've had uh, with or near free trade with the outside world. With having very very low tariffs going out, the main problem with China is they've uh, they have uh, don't have free trade, neutral free trade. Often mm. it's uh, they have a very high import tariff, but they've they've grown exponentially from trade, and it is one of the driving forces of economic growth. So from from the Remain side, that that's sort of their general argument was that social side and also that economic side, and um, sort of pushing forward. Uh, so those were the two, for me, anyway, those were the two strongest arguments uh, for Remain. Uh, the Leave side was a little bit different, so obviously they were they were smeared a lot by the Remain uh, side for being people who just wanted foreigners out. Uh, they had the, they're often associated with the likes of people from the BNP, which is the British National Party, which is often seen as this uh, more right-wing um, group which 
it's seen as hating foreigners essentially uh, and often people would relate that and I think that did put some people off from voting leave uh, because they saw this group of people and some people uh, having portrayed that image of them being um, racist or whatever they didn't really want to associate with that even if it wasn't quite true so yeah. that was sort of always on the surface uh, of and that's probably what you heard uh, over in Canada as well Chris <laughs> was that the racist side of it no doubt yeah um i've seen some of the fallout where it's uh like conservatives historically haven't done the most for um minority groups and i'm not saying that in a bad way the conservative government has absolutely done some good things um but i know a lot of people have felt like you don't do enough for minority groups you don't do enough for social programming um and i work in social work so i see that side where i'm like you're right. When there has been a conservative government in power, we have not got the funding that we need to get. But I haven't ever been like, well, they're absolutely racist and they're out to get people. Just because when the conservative government has been in power, it's been like when I've had the conversation with um, friends from church who are like, a conservative vote is a Christian vote. Where I'm like, I don't agree. If A Christian vote would be for the Christian party of Canada. <laughs> But the conservatives are very much more fiscally conservative in Canada than uh, socially conservative, where they will not touch the issue of abortion. They won't be like, we're going to take that away. They might publicly say we are opposed, but they're not going to take it away. Um, they won't touch the issue of gay marriage. They're like, it's there. We might not agree, but we won't take it away. So... There's a lot of stuff, though, where even though they're like that, it's if you vote conservative, you are voting against LBGTQ. You are voting against women. You are sexist. You are racist. You are, uh, your mother dresses you funny. And then <laughs> on the flip side, if you vote for liberal or NDP or anybody but conservative, you are unnationalist. You are against, like, you are against... Canada, you want it to fail, and all this jazz, where similar to the hyperbole that you've had, but you were you were in the middle of saying something, I cut you off, sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely something you see uh, just in general politics, so this wasn't even an election campaign, it was just a referendum, yet you do have those opposing sides. Uh, it was odd in this election, I need to make the distinction between the BNP, often people would sort of portray people as uh, being sort of voting along with those sort of lines because the BNP isn't the main party. Actually, they're almost non-existent now in the UK. And the Conservative Party isn't seen, although they are branded as racist by some, they're not in general. Um, but the, the interestingly, the, uh, this, this vote that we had on Brexit was generally uh, endorsed um, from both parties, the Labour Party, which is the more sort of the left-wing party now, uh, it was more middle ground, actually, uh, a couple of years ago, but it's more and more getting more sort of left wing uh, rather than the left middle. Uh, and the Conservative Party, actually, both of them did support uh, staying in and remaining, yet they just did not, uh, did, they just didn't, it's weird enough because they hold more than 50% of the electorate between them. Um, and having both party leaders suggesting that you should remain uh, you'd expect a Remain vote, but obviously the polls defied that. But with yeah. the uh, with the with the Leave voters, that you had that 
uh, that veil of, of racism, which they sort of had to fight against actively and be like, right, this is not what we're fighting for. We're not anti-foreigner. Um, actually, there was an opposite uh, argument that we were being uh, very selective in only letting our European neighbours have free access to the UK and actually excluding people like yourself from Canada, from mm-hmm. the USA, from uh, from the Commonwealth, from any other country. Um, and actually, they, they put them on an, un, an unlevel uh, playing field. Uh, so people like yourself would have a harder time if they wanted to come and move to the UK than it would be yeah. our European la- neighbours. And often, uh, especially for me personally, uh, our connections with Canada and uh, a lot of the Commonwealth are a lot stronger than those of some of our European neighbours. Um, yeah. And you sort of make sense, especially us being uh, cousins and everything and our family <laughs> relations. Uh, you'd expect you at least to have a le- level playing field as, of getting into the country if you wanted to, to live here. Um, so that was one of the arguments to do with immigration. Uh, the second really was, the, the biggest one was really sovereignty uh, in terms of the country. Some people argue, well, a Remain vote would keep you more sovereign because you were exercising sovereign power. But I'd, I'd have to say, I think, with the Leave vote, uh, it was ultimately about, first, political sovereignty. The, the problem with the European Union is its ever-increasing centralisation of power. So it's more and more every every year, every time they pass legislation through, which is taking powers away from states and giving them to the European Union, uh, was is is a step away from taking away your individual sovereignty as a country. So uh, with that, it would be like if you guys wanted to pass a law for England, it would be difficult for England to govern itself, and the European Union could veto it. In a way, it's it's dependent. The problem was uh, that English law uh, it has to adhere to European law. So, if there is a law which you wanted to pass in the UK, uh, you'd have to do it within the restraints of the European Union and in and and keep it in accordance with uh, certain uh, rights and certain rules which the, uh, the the European Union puts in place. So in some ways, those, those rules are collectively made together as countries, uh, but often they don't benefit everyone uh, and they mm-hmm. aren't made on an individual basis uh, from each country. They're made on a collective basis for collective good, which is sort of uh, pr- painting a one brush over the whole, uh, every country, um, which it doesn't necessarily benefit. The, the biggest thing, not really to do with law, but actually to do with currency, is the, the, Euro, the euro in the, the European Union. Uh, it was seen as a great thing because it was that common currency, which means you didn't have to swap currencies between countries, uh, and you could just, uh, yeah, you could trade more easily, which is a really great idea. Um, however, the likes of uh, some southern uh, European countries, like the likes of um, Spain um, and Portugal and uh, Italy, have been struggling quite a lot. Italy's uh, car industry, for example, a couple of years ago, uh, before they got into the euro, was quite strong because they could depreciate their currency. Um, but they, at the moment, they, they can't compete with the likes of German manufacturing, which is so efficient. Um, and like v, VW, for example, they just, yeah, they, they own a lot of the market just because they are so efficient in what they do. And they can't, the currency-wise, uh, they're all on the same same boat. So, I mean, Germany is 
the, the country which really benefits from the European Union, from the Euro at least anyway. Um, but there's, there's yeah, a lot of different factors which mean actually broad stroke laws against uh, loads of different countries aren't necessarily the best thing. Uh, and back to sovereignty as well. Uh, really, mm-hmm. as uh, Britain being in, in a nation which is very proud um, of its uh, being an individual nation, um, and it's not, and it doesn't like to be ruled, uh, particularly by other countries. Uh, and it's it's a bit ironic considering the the British Empire, anyway. But the uh, on the other side, and <laughs> flip, flip side of that, um, we we uh, as a country, we just don't like the idea of not being able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Um, and that's, I think, to be honest, that was one of the driving factors for a lot of people was the fact, actually, as a country, you want democracy as close to home as possible. You don't want it uh, being dictated uh, by some people you've never voted in in your life um, or by, uh, equally, by, by your neighbours, by countries which easily uh, can overtake you. It's, it's almost like, Y'all spread over the world. You were like, all right, we're doing this. And then stuff happened. Uh, the traitors to the crown dump your tea. And then <laughs> it's almost like, all right, we've learned that maybe maybe this isn't the way to do things. And now now it's like, no, we're not doing this. Don't, don't do this. Yeah, exactly. That is that is the thing. Is uh, we, we sort of learned from our past. But uh, equally, the I think we need to be just a bit wary of centralisation of power, not only to do with the British Empire, but we did see this with the... We, you see a lot of parallels uh, between the, uh, the European Union and the USSR. Not to say that it's the same thing or the, the same sort of uh, uh, yeah, communist programme is going on, <laughs> in the middle of the European Union as some sort of scheme, but actually the centralisation of power, taking away power from individual states and giving it to the central uh, people who are uh, yeah, controlling it, the presidency um, or, or the electorate uh, there, the, uh, sorry, the ele- people who are elected into the councils. Um, there's, it's just too much power to too few people, uh, especially for the British people, that was, a, that was very problematic. I mean, the, the third point I'd make, make for leave, and one of the main reasons I left was the idea of free trade. It actually links to sovereignty a little bit. Uh, in the European Union, uh, you can't do your own trade deals individually. Uh, it has to be done on a corporate uh, level between all of the countries and uh, another country. And because of that, it can take years uh, in order to create trade deals. The best example would actually be uh, a trade deal with Canada, which has just mm-hmm. gone through. And weirdly enough, it was uh, being held up. It wasn't, it's not held up anymore, but it was being held up by some, I think it was some farmers in the Netherlands or something. And one individual country, basically they, each country has to agree uh, to, yeah. to, to it. And if one country does not agree uh, with the terms, then it won't go through. So actually agreeing uh, free trade oh. on an individual country by country basis is so much easier uh, for one, and actually, uh, we wanted the freedom to trade with the likes of India and Canada and the USA uh, without being hindered. Um, and I, I think there's just one last point I wanted to make on leave. Uh, it's sort of the ethical point. Although free trade and this freedom of movement between uh, EU countries looks like we're getting closer together, 
it's not only they're they're getting closer together as as a group of countries, but actually it's a rejection of a lot of the rest of the world. Uh, we sort of touched on that with the people coming in and out of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 best example would be, for example, is it's it's not uh, fair. I don't think that people outside the European Union uh, have a harder time getting into the UK uh, than those in it, and also to do with trade. Uh, African nations uh, who who sell produce um, are hit by horrendous tariffs um, coming into uh, the EU. You actually have they have a disadvantage, even though their products uh, might be the same standard uh, as a lot of the EU partners. They do um, put tariffs in place in order to gain benefits for individuals within the EU. So it is unfair on uh, other nations, and they actually they're not very free trade outside of their free trade area. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough, uh, but that's just just a couple of points from from the leave and remain side, really. Uh, I'm giving it a bit more of a story, so you can see the benefits on both sides, the negatives on on both sides. But yeah, ultimately, I I tipped over to leave, others tipped over to remain, and yeah, here we are today. <laughs> Thank you so much for explaining that, Sam, and. Uh... Like one thing I loved with this is for me, this has been a great conversation. This is something I can always have with you, but like as a person from outside, the way you explain that without hyperbole, without attacking the other point of view, like you were, even though you're like, I'm not for this, you're not like, well, they're idiots and their mother dresses them funny. Like (laughs) you, you were respectful. And so then you were able to understand and you could see that you understood where the other side was coming from. And that was something I, I really, truly valued when we uh, when we came over and we stayed with you guys before going to Hal's wedding. Just hearing that per like both perspectives, but also in that loving way where it's like, I don't agree, I think this is a bad idea, but you're not attacking the, uh, the opposing side. Where... Like I said, in the wake of last night's election, I'm seeing nothing but that. Like, as I'm going through Twitter to read the reactions, and I'm probably going to avoid Facebook for the day uh, because of the, the thought pieces and all that, where it's, you just see people being like conservative scum, or I'm not going to say the actual term because I hate it, and it's it's truly offensive, um, and it's a word you shouldn't use but kind of like liberal idiot or leftist moron or centralist whatever, where it's, when you're using that language, it's, why would I listen to you? And like we talked about before we started recording, like, it's why I took it, why I take issue at points with guys like Ben Shapiro or or a Milo or a Matt Walsh, um, who's a well-known, like, Christian guy where I, with him, I hold him to a higher standard and I, as a Christian, where I'm like, you should know better uh, than to say the things you're saying, where it's like, you can be firm, you can stick to your guns, but you don't need to do it in such a disrespectful way. There's ways to say what you truly feel without being a jerk. And then I think that goes on both sides. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's actually, uh, it's a signal of, things in wider society as well that breakdown of communication uh from side to side it's it's a sad sight to see when politics is reduced to just name throwing uh when really uh, we should be aiming for 
that dialogue to get to a place of what is the thing which is most ideal, what would be the best thing for us to, to do in a situation, for example with Brexit, I would have much preferred to see the facts on both sides and a lot of people in the UK would say they would have preferred just uh, simply uh, what was uh, the what were both sides advocating and actually we did get a leaflet through the post of what the basic points of each side which really did uh, help in sort of a lot of people voting uh, but it's, it's, it's something which we should really it's a signal of wider societal problem that this lack of communication I mean the, the biggest thing I can think of off the top of my head would be uh, on college campuses uh, the banning of individuals from speaking, um, whether they be right wing, left wing, middle, whatever. Um, I mean, there's there's a point in which they're inciting violence, and I think that should be uh, stopped. However, there there are individuals who um, are controversial to say the least. Um, however, I think the breakdown of that communication actually being allowed to listen to their ideas, uh, Ben Shapiro being an example of someone who's been stopped multiple times. I mean, we talked. We might not necessarily agree with everything uh, that he has to say, uh, but actually a lot of people will try and shut down what he's trying to say because he's what, spewing hate speech or whatever they're, they, they want to call him. And uh, that's really detrimental to a society which wants to try and find out the truth. And in some ways, uh, the people who want to shut down speech and want to shut down that sort of uh, dialogue uh, are not people who really want truth at all, but just to impose their view without listening to anyone else. And you get yeah. to a place where you're not really a democratic society. Um, you're just you're just whoever can shout the loudest will win. Whoever can use the law the law to their their best advantage will win. Uh, yeah. And and that's it's a sad sight to see because we really want the exchange of ideas. Um, and especially I think as as Christians we should be striving for reducing that 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 name calling and just getting down to those facts and being like right this is this um and they might uh, and responding to arguments rather than yeah throwing those yeah. those names which will get all the, the the attention by the media or whatever yeah a couple things to that like um yeah i agree where if you're i don't think we should be banning people from from speaking be them right wing or left wing uh if the person actively incites violence and abuses their right to free speech to go in and is antagonistic in the sense of they are deliberately being like i'm gonna drop the n-word i'm gonna say as many transphobic homophobic slurs like if they're doing it intentionally and deliberately where it's i'm gonna say all this just to draw up a crowd like rile up a crowd and get a thing then yeah, maybe that person should not be allowed on campus. But if they're presenting an idea that opposes yours, I don't think that's a thing to block them off, to be like, no, they can't come. If they're, say, if they're saying something that you find offensive, it's like, okay, this offends me. Why? Why don't I hear it? Kind of the idea of, I don't know why this is an expression, but hear it from the horse's mouth. Um, and then even if you don't agree, you might understand more. And then as you were talking about the, uh, like getting aside from the hyperbole and the, like getting kind of the facts with this previous election, this provincial election, I deliberately, yeah, deliberately didn't listen to any of the speeches. I'll remember, I still remember from the last provincial election, everybody was fed up with the McGinty liberals 
And then it was Kathleen Wynne coming in, and a lot of people were like, "This is it's going to be more of the corrupt liberal government. Because at that point, it was scandal after scandal after scandal. She came in and replaced McGinty, and then it was the election time, and they're like, okay, the liberals are going out. And that, the debates were a crap show, and they still are, where it's just like three or four people when the Green Party gets invited, um, just it's taking their time to be like, so-and-so it wants to do this terrible thing and you should not vote for so-and-so that's not beneficial don't tell me why they're an idiot tell me why i need to vote for you there was a conservative mp running his name was tim hudak i believe and he was like i'm going to cut ten thousand jobs where you're like that sounds awful i'm going to create a million jobs out of those ten thousand i cut it's like, okay, that last part sounds awesome. Walk me through this. Tell me why this is a good idea and what, because I can get behind a million jobs. I cannot yeah. get behind cutting 10,000 jobs, especially because I know a bunch of people in the fields that are going to get cut. And Homeboy didn't do it the whole time. It was just like, when did this, when did this, and you should vote for me, where it's, I know what she did. I can read the news. Don't, don't tell me what Andrea, why Andrea's dumb, because she's not. Don't tell me why Green Party person's dumb, because they're not. Tell me why I should vote for you. So then, with this election, I'm like, I don't want any of this. And why is politics like this now, where it's just a show about slamming people, when two weeks before the election, the week of the election, I can look up a website that's like, here's what the platforms stand for. Here's what they say without all this side circus stuff. And the I, I definitely agree with you about Christians, like, we especially in the church need to not do this. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves and show others like, hey, with politics, we shouldn't be like this. If we're supposed to be separate from the world, then we don't, we shouldn't be like they are with politics, where it's the sideshow, where it's the yelling and screaming and all that. I don't know why, but it reminded me of, I still remember when I was on the bus with uh, some Christian friends, they were upset about an advertisement where it was an atheist group essentially saying like there's no point to going to church on Sunday you might as well do something different they wanted the that sign removed but then they had no problem with the counter sign <laughs> further on the bus being like essentially come to our church God loves you where it's like one should be removed but the other should stay and yeah. even though I found the, the atheist that offensive I'm like no if we, if our group gets advertising, if the church sign gets advertising, then it is only just and fair that the atheist group get it as well, even though you disagree. And instead of removing it, let's have a conversation with somebody about why this is, like, why we disagree. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, you need a level platform uh, in society to just have that exchange of ideas. Uh, I think with the uh, atheist bus sign, uh, thing. I mean, people will see both, and they will make their minds up. Uh, mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's that's what they're going to do. They're not going to. Most people who see a church sign actually generally will say, "Oh, um, I'm either going to ignore that, or oh, I might take leniency to it." Actually, with the atheist sign, I I doubt many Christians, particularly, are going to make their mind up if they're committed Christians. They're not yeah. going to take much leniency to it anyway. Um, and actually it's only going to for people who aren't Christian it's only going to confirm what they already believe so I can't really imagine there being much effect uh, of that anyway 
but I think the the the, uh, the, the point which we've got to uh, in politics is sort of exemplified. I, I can give you an example uh, in our politics called uh, it's called Question Time with the the Prime Minister's questions. Even in fact, uh, in the UK, there's often uh, YouTube clips of funny moments which happen inside it, and actually it's the same with uh, Canada. A couple of uh, just random. Uh, things which the Prime Minister or other MPs just throw insults um, basically at each other of things people have done and ridiculing uh, each other and on one level is hilarious and at another you're like these people are leading the country Um, you do expect a level of professionalism from them uh, and you expect those straight answers to be uh, given to straight questions which are quite simple and actually from both sides, both the Prime Minister, uh, Theresa May, um, previously David Cameron, um, and the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, in the UK, often they're asked questions and they're never giving a straight answer. It's always um, avoidance and, uh, yeah, smoke and mirrors, really. Uh, and often you don't get to the, to the point which the public really want to hear certain questions answered. And they're trying to squeeze yeah. them out of them, squeeze it out of them so hard. Um, but they just won't give way and it, it eventually goes into this uh, throwing match of insults and oh you did this uh, 15 years ago as your part not even you uh, your party did it 15 years ago yeah. uh, the, the one which is often used by the Conservative Party is to do with the recession um, which happened in a global recession but a recession which happened in the UK as well uh, now uh, 8 years ago but the, the Conservative Party continues to ridicule uh, Labour for that recession. Um, and uh, there are good reasons to, to uh, criticise their economic policy. But using arguments from eight years ago isn't going to win them an election uh, next time round. And I think yeah. some politicians will uh, eventually catch on, but some people in the electorate just don't like it. They don't like this sort of... Uh, rhetoric which they use um, and they throw at each other because ultimately they're going to go with the people that they think are going to do best for the country not who can come up with the cleverest insult and get the most views uh, on a YouTube video or whatever it is um, and I yeah. really hope they come round to that uh, idea soon uh, but I guess I guess we will see eventually I mean there is a place for humour for sure I wouldn't ignore that but when it comes to name slinging uh, they need to get better arguments for what they're doing first before they get onto that. Agreed, agreed. And I think, like, yeah, there's definitely a place for humor, and I'm not saying don't make jokes, but I don't want politics to be what it is, where it's like, let's trudge up everything uh, your party has done. Where, again, with Andrea, what, like, a lot of it could be like, well, look at Bob Ray, look at Bob Ray. She's not Bob Ray, and the party isn't what it was. 28 years ago just like the conservative party is not the party that it was in 1995 or whenever mike harris got elected in the mid to late because he was there for two terms um like it's not the same party as much as i didn't like that guy it wouldn't be okay now i don't vote forward because i remember mike harris or any of the any of the liberal government I, I personally don't understand to well I do but I don't agree with like I'm a card carrying member where 
I'll be honest, every federal election, like Canada has a bunch of parties. We've got two major, the NDP has swung in and out. So technically three major. And then there's the Green Party. And I voted for all four. Like I lean towards NDP politically, but I've voted for all four because at points I'm like, you know what? This person makes the most sense at this time as the leader. And then it's not like, well, the Green Party is a joke and there's no point in voting for them. And it's like, well, you remember Bob Ray? It'll be that, but on a national scale. You remember blah, 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 and all the stupid stuff they did? It's like, these people are different. It's a different time. Hopefully they'll have learned from their mistakes. But ultimately, God is in control and we need to pray for our leaders. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... That's the one thing as Christians we really do need to take grip of is whatever way we do vote and whatever outcome it is, uh, God has uh, allowed that person to be there um, for whatever his purpose is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we need to have confidence that actually um, if they're doing something wrong, which we don't agree with, um, we're more than happy to point that out to them in a respectful manner. um, And and go about it in a way which is uh, a way which is respectful and christian so to speak um but it's uh it's the idea that uh ultimately god is sovereign over everything uh that we do every leader um i mean donald trump might think he has his finger on the nuclear button but we really know who's in control um of of that situation and what's happening in the world i mean um yeah i i i'm looking forward in some ways to to see uh the outcomes of some upcoming elections. Uh, I mean, when is your when's your next uh, federal election? It's quite soon, is it? I think so. I think it's in a year or so. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping that we have some good candidates and that the current prime minister can explain things better and rejig yeah. how he's he's doing things. I'm not a big fan, but I'm also not judging him personally. And this isn't a brag, um, but I do try to pray for him often. Because we are encouraged to pray for our leaders. And it's not a prayer of, Lord, take him out of office. It's, it's kind of like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm not a fan of this guy. But be with him. May he come to know you. And may he be running this country in a way that reflects you. And if he's not, may you get him there. I, I, I do try to pray for our leaders. So, unfortunately, Sam, we got to wrap up. <laughs> My laptop battery is about to die. Dear listener, thank you for listening. I hope you heard mine and Sam's heart. And I hope you... Didn't think we were trying to uh, hate on anyone. That is never the intention. And I know I was very uh, rantish at the beginning. Um, Yeah, it's just because I don't think that we should. We need to choose our words a lot more carefully. I I would never say, like, shut up to somebody. Unless they were being horrendously, deliberately racist and offensive and all that. Where it's like, look, now you're you're taking advantage of your right to free speech. So I would never say to anybody, like, you don't have a right to talk. But... I think with that right means we need to examine our words. We need to choose them carefully. We can't always control if someone's going to get offended because at points people get offended over the littlest of things, myself included. But there is within reason. And the stuff that Kelly Marie Tram was going through was awful. The stuff that we put our politicians through that we say about them as people is awful. The stuff that we say about... People voting for other parties can get extreme. So please uh, understand that I love you. Sam loves you. But 
we got to choose our words very carefully. Um, Sam, thank you so much for joining us again, man. It's always a pleasure to have you, and we will have you back. And dear listener, thank you for listening. Um, Let us know in the comments what you thought. What is your opinion on Brexit? What is your opinion on the election? And let's have a fun civil discussion. Have a wonderful day, and God bless, my friends. Take care. Thank you.